we were driving down the fucking road and scoot and our photographer at the time were just sleeping in the back i was in the back too yeah i was it was nighttime by the way was bobby with us i think bobby Mm. was driving and i was up front with him and kyle was like chilling in the middle row and we're just driving along listening to fucking whatever and then we just hear Scoot go, I drank piss! <laughs> and he starts, he opens the back he door the while back we're door. on the highway and starts puking. <laughs> I had Welcome to the 83rd episode of the Cassidy's Creation. I'm your host, Chris Deering. This is the show where I interview bands and public figures in the MathCore and MathCore adjacent community. If you beautiful people in chat, any questions or comments, feel free to drop them and I'll try to read them aloud. If you like the sub for five bucks, you get access to some exclusive emails as well as access to the interviews before they hit YouTube and other streaming services. You can also sub for free by attaching Amazon Prime account to your Twitch account. Uh, it's like taking five bucks from Jeff Bezos' pocket and putting it into mine. Uh, if you like to watch this on YouTube or listening to this in your, if you're watching this on YouTube or listening to this in your car and have no idea what I'm talking about, the show is first recorded live on Twitch. Join us every Sunday and Wednesday at twitch.tv slash the Casa Inscreation for the live cast. With that out of the way, let me introduce our guests today who dropped their debut album, Twisted World Perspective, back in July through Dark Show Records, Here Goes Nothing Records, and Don't Stress Flower Press. Welcome in Fall 50 Feet. How's it going, guys? We're Fall 50 Feet. Yo. <laughs> Yo, what up, dog? Like, great. We out here. Life is good. We out here, man. Uh, I got a bird on my shoulder. Uh, <laughs> it's a beautiful bird. Uh, Jim. I'm Jim. I play guitar. I write a lot of the songs and I'm I also do vocals. My name's Zach or Scoot. I play bass in some vocals. I'm Dave and I do screamo. <laughs> well, and a couple uh, spoken word sections. All right. Well it's great that you guys uh got here. Um so why call the band Fall Fifty Feet? Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, like from that, yeah, we'll no, get into we that quite yet. I'm just saying, why'd y'all land on that name? Why, you're asking questions about the band? I, I thought, thought we were, you just, I thought we were asking you questions about your band. <laughs> no, 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 uh, the other way around, man. Okay. Maybe next well, time. <laughs> so I came up with the name. It was like the first name I thought of when we decided to rebrand. And I based it off of like, I wanted it to be a long name, like Fear Before the March of Flames or From a Second Story Window. So I basically took like the F's from from Fear Before the March of Flames and I was like from a second story window that's falling and I was like fall 50 feet because I always liked alliteration. So that's where that name came from. And I was like, (laughs) really? All lowercase in one word because that's hard. And I like sky came falling. (laughs) That's crazy, dude. I was not expecting that answer. So like I thought it was maybe that's like where uh, most people die. Like if they fell, it would be like 50 feet. I actually Googled it. Turns out the median distance is 48 feet. So I thought that y'all would like with 50 fall 50 feet because it was like just, you know, a couple more after that. It sounded a little bit better. But weird uh, coincidence. (laughs) (laughs) What if we named it fall 48 feet? (laughs) That would have been a little longer, I guess. (laughs) Well, no, I thought that y'all went another two feet to, uh, to make sure that it actually worked. But uh, anyway, oh, okay. you guys started as a band called False Accusations. Uh, James and Dave being there from the beginning and Zach joining in on I Know You Must Ache. So how, how did you guys get together and start making music with each other? Uh, oh, Jim, this is for you. I don't want to explain this. <laughs> it's a long story. <laughs> oh, so a long time ago. I'm in almost another life, it seems. I was a 15-year-old boy. And I had no friends. I had some friends, but no friend. I lived in a small town 
my graduating class was about 30 people. Jesus. So it was very small. And there was no one who liked metalcore in my school. Are we school. Uh, effing in the chat or are we on? Are we still alive? FFF in the chat. Ooh. Do y'all have the stream pulled up by any chance or yeah. on your phones? Is it, is it running? Yeah. Oh, okay. I, I think, think I think they might be. It's doing just this thing because we'd say FFF in the chat. Our oh, fall name, fifty feet. Okay. If you take all Jesus three Christ. letters from our band name. People <laughs> say F. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's also people say when name. the stream's down, right? So like, three, there's, there's well, there's three letters in our name actually, and one of them, all three of them are Fs. Okay. So, <laughs> okay sorry. I went. I was fifteen, and I was from a really small town. No one played music. And no one liked metalcore. Um, and so I was like, I want to start a band. And I met him on Tumblr.com, the website Tumblr.com. <laughs> and so I met him on Tumblr. I actually made fun of him. That's how I met him. And it was funny. And we both bonded over liking the band The Plot in You. And then we became friends. He was living in Illinois at the time. I was living in Ohio. And... Uh, we became friends and we were jokingly like, we should start a band. And then we made, we literally were like, we should start a band. And so we jokingly were like, okay, band names. We just came up with a bunch of them. And then we landed on false accusations and we made a page that same day. And then I was like, well, I know this guy, Kyle and Kyle, I met him from YouTube. And because I used to make YouTube videos, like covers and shit. I was like 11 and so I met him. He was from Wisconsin. I was like, Kyle's a drummer. And so we basically decided to start a band. But uh, Yeah, so that's how we started. And then we were in an internet band for a while. Then when Dave turned 18, he moved down and we got a place together eventually. And so we want to take it seriously. We got a new bassist. That bassist was really good. But then he instantly was like, I can't tour. So we're like, okay, well, you're out of the band because we need to tour. And so this guy I knew from playing like local shows and just like around the area, he had been playing in like a handful of bands. He's one of those dudes played in a lot of bands. And so I actually recorded his old band when he was an alcoholic. And then he stopped being an alcoholic and stopped playing music for a while. And then he was trying to play music again. And our drummer at the time, Kyle, was recording his band and his band was still full of like his friends who were alcoholics. So they weren't getting anything done. Mm. And so he was kind of like, Hey, could I maybe what up? And so he just come to a show. And like, I vividly remember him walking up to me or like me walking up to him. He was like, Hey, what, what's up? Like I told him to come see us at a show and we talked to him about possibly, you know, joining the band or something, his like goals. I vividly remember First thing Scoot saying when he walked up to me after I hadn't seen him in years was, let me join your band. <laughs> and that was, it was pretty much history from there. He joined not long after. And then it kind of became us were like always the core members af- of the band and whatnot. Okay. Okay. Uh, chat seems to think your parents are very chill, by the way. Emphasis on core members. <laughs> Metal core. Wait, very good. What's really chill? Your bird's very chill. Oh. That's kiwi. Kiwi. <laughs> Does kiwi eat kiwis? Yes. Is that considered cannibalism? Yes. Yeah. Very Which, good. 
Wait, which what? we condone. <laughs> yeah. When he eats yes. Slim Jims, he's eating Some Jimmy's. Kiwi was a fruit. Yeah, yeah. Kiwi's a flower. <laughs> uh, so you guys built up a pretty big following of false accusations. It looked like you guys are actually po- poised to blow up. And then you said, fuck it, let's start all over. Just rip everything down. I kind of think I know why, but I uh, just wanted to hear from you guys. Why would you do this? Okay. Okay. So uh, <laughs> here's what had happened, right? We had talked about changing our name a few times because we had gotten, I remember specifically one time we were playing a show with the, we were on tour with the Calistow boys. We're on the tour with the Calistow boys. And we were playing the show in Kentucky and someone tweeted, there's actually a band called False Accusations. And a lot of people came to our defense, but yeah, from then on, we kind of thought it was a cringe name because like, <laughs> It has a lot of bad connotations to it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, once it was like the day I remember we were in our chat, we were talking about getting new merch made for our tour, which turned out to be our last tour as false accusations. And we were like, literally, like he was sending mock ups and stuff. And our photographer was like, You guys think you should change your name? And we were like, Uh, because I remember we were talking about like, well, wouldn't it be cool if we got signed? Because Kay and Ashi had just announced that they signed to Equal Vision Records. And he was like, yeah, you guys probably can't get signed with that name. And we were like, oh. I was literally like, if, we're, if we can't get signed with a name like this, why are we still using this name? Right. And so literally all agreed right then and there that we were going to stop. Um, and I but, came up with Fall 50 Feet later that night. But so Dave <laughs> actually left out a bunch of the important stuff. So let me go back. I'm going to scrub up Dave's dirty job. Why are you holding my fucking eye? <laughs> Sorry. Okay. So while what Dave said is all true, that same, that's was 2019. And that same year we had started recording Twisted World Perspective in April of 2019. This was like August of 2019. And what happened, the end of 2018, Kyle, our old drummer, who's now the drummer of 156 Silence. Oh, you're still friends with. Um, he left and like, we hated each other at that point. We had very bad, like, you know, we weren't, we didn't mesh with each other. It was like us versus him all the time. Mm-hmm. So he left right after we booked studio time for Twisted World Perspective. And so we immediately were like, okay, we already paid a deposit. We have to go in the studio in April. So let's find a fill-in drummer. And so, we tried to find friends, but no one could really do it at the time. So we ended up finding a random kid on the internet that we're not going to name. And uh, so that kid came in and totally fucked us over. And we basically were very behind on record on everything. He came in, didn't know the songs, and spent four days recording and then didn't finish the whole album and he left. God damn. So... That's what happened with that. And so we had 10 days planned and four of them were spent recording drums that we didn't finish. So we finished out the 10 days and finished like, <clears throat> I'd say like 80% of the album. And then we went back like a few months later, finished some more stuff, but we, it was in the middle of a tour and we had a fill-in drummer with us. And we were like, he, the fill-in drummer was like, I could redo the drums on this album. And we we're like, let's fucking do it. Cause I don't want this kid to be playing on our album. I hate him. I hate him real bad because like he fucked us over real bad. So anyway, we decided to do that. And then we ended up breaking up. And that part of the reason was like, okay, we're already like 
changing form. We're already doing this new album. It's going to take a while to finish because that dude who said he would record the drums dipped out. He like kind of ghosted us. And so we ended up having to find someone else. God damn. Y'all are having the worst luck with drummers. Jesus. Yeah, it was. Well, so we finished the drums on the album when we were in the studio originally, Greg, the dude who recorded our album, had his friend come in and finish the three tracks that weren't finished. But everything was so disjointed. That kid who came in to record the drums originally and screwed us over, it like basically it was like programming drums because he was so like not mm. in tune with what we were doing. Like everything was so wrong that he was having to edit parts together piece by piece, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. So, Basically, we were like, okay, we already got to do stuff. We don't want all this work we're going to have to do for this album to go to waste because we have a dumb name that I came up when I was 15. So we basically were like, we want to break up and come back. The idea was to come back with like a full lineup of like four or five people. But I mean, you know, we tried to run with a, you know, a drummer. And, you know, it's just, it's hard to find people who mesh, who has have the exact same ideas as you and like want the same things out of music as you. And so right. when running just with us three, even though like our plans were different months before that, it's just because we're the three, we're the core of, you know, what the music is. So it works the best. Mm. That's interesting. Well, so why don't y'all have like a full-time drummer now? And uh, I saw on a video where y'all were in a studio, you had like a second guitarist and stuff like that. Uh, is that like the, the idea is to get two more yeah, people in I, here? I'd like to never play without a second guitarist. We like, I never don't write two guitar parts to most of our stuff. And I never did in our last band either. So it was just like, it was like, I don't know. We just... We just, uh, there's like too much nuance and I hate being the only guitarist playing on a stage because then everything falls on you. It's like when we play yeah. shows in FA, like we're a crazy live band and everything was breaking constantly. Every time my guitar fucked up, you knew because I was the only guitarist. If you have two guitarists, if something goes wrong, at least it's not like dropping out completely. It's only like, halfway dropping out you know yeah. or you can fix something you know without like someone like completely noticing so and just like the songs have two guitar parts so i want them you should just I'll mime the guitar to your recorded tracks like a pop star i i mean big brain like we could we could fucking you know play to a click and like wire out the second guitar to like a live amp and reamp it but I mean, I'd maybe do that, but I was like, completely I'd kidding, like by keep, the way. I know, I know, <laughs> but I, I'd like to keep things as live as they can be. It's just, you know, I will we'll see. But uh, for right now, we have Nick, who's coward device, kind of filling in for us, like for the foreseeable future on second guitar. And we have like our friend Bobby Crow playing drums for us, but he's in like a band that he plays in full time. So he's only going to be playing with, he's only really playing with us because he's so close. So like we have practice tonight and he practiced with us, but like our next tour is going to be Alec Martin from uh, uh, Fever Dreams. And what's the other band? This guy's so black. This guy's so black. Okay. Okay. Um, cell damage uh, is in the chat. They say drummers are overrated. Nice. Cell damage the band. 
Yeah. I'm glad uh, I, we've been a band for a Bass. short time, but it's nice that we've had such an influence. The bands have started naming themselves after us. That's cool. <laughs> it's very nifty. I think it's neat. You know, I like, I do this for the kids. You know? <laughs> Shout so, out Cell Damage. Dude, Cell Damage fucking rule. That's on God. So uh, you just dropped your debut album, Twisted World Perspective. Um, uh-huh. Seems like it's basically kind of what y'all were doing in False Accusations. Like y'all didn't change sound at all. Y'all just did a na- uh, name change. Is, is, that's about right. Well, we were recording the album as False Accusations, so it was set to be like our LP as False it's, Accusations. It's everything. It's better. It's like literally like we were good, just going to be better. But also. I don't know. It's weird because I've showed the I showed the album to a lot of people before we were even whatever, and like a lot of people said it sounded similar, but a lot of people were like it's like way more of a step up. But the weird thing is, there it is are better a lot than of, than some of the there, false accusation stuff. And I think the biggest thing is the production, mm-hmm. but also, I mean, we just never did a proper album, and it wasn't as fleshed out, you know. Greg just is a great producer and got a lot out of us, but as for the writing, like the songs were all written while we were still false accusations. A lot, a lot, some of the songs are really old, actually. Like, I think the oldest ones are from 2017. Like, jeez, almost, almost heaven was written the morning of uh, he is legend show we played because I remember the demo was titled morning of, and it was like, we were playing with he is legend that night. Shortcuts of hell was written in 2008. No, I think I was 17 too. And then anything that can go wrong is when in 2017 or early 2018. And then all the rest of the songs were written in 2018. So, That's crazy. I've been sitting on this for a long time then. Yeah, it's it was terrible. <laughs> it was very agonizing because like after we finished record, we finished the drums in January of 2020. We didn't get a mix back for the album until November of that year. So, like, we literally, we had been sitting on the album. We didn't get any updates at all. And, like, you know, no shade to Greg. Like, it was just kind of how he works. But I didn't know that's how he worked. Like, he didn't want to send it to us until it was, like, not finished. But, you know, he had everything in line. And because Mm -hmm. of COVID and everything, like, he was kind of set back. And it just, it just was, like, my mental health for, like, two years was pretty much shot. Because I would be, like... Literally, I would listen to the demos. Well, not even the demos, like the rough tracks from the studio that we had had since basically the second time we went. I'd listen to the rough tracks from the studio and be like, this is so awesome. Like, I'm so happy. And then at some point in the week, I would just go through an existential crisis of like, this is never going to be done. Like, I feel like I'm just being stagnant because I'm just waiting for something to happen. Right. For like, a year and a half or two years, I felt like everything in the world was just out of my control. Like, couldn't get a drummer, was waiting on, like, people to reply to me that would never would, like, like drum-wise and stuff like that. And then, like, our album was just out of my hands. I couldn't make anything go faster than it would, you know. It's just everything was terrible. At one point, like, we had, like, video people, like, drop, like, we recorded two of the videos, the shortcut style and the parting gift video in July of 2020. And like the person who was doing those videos, like kind of just dropped the ball and we didn't end up finishing them until February and March, like this year. So like 
everything was just like waiting, waiting. Nothing was getting done. It was very, it was a very nerve wracking, like couple of years. Dude, that sounds awful. Right. So I'm glad you you got it out here. Um, so you guys have a pretty original sound. I would say it's not just math core. There's math rock in there. There's straight up rock. Definitely like a Southern tinge on everything. Uh, so what are the influences going into your sound? We rock. Oh yeah, you do. <laughs> so I mean, well, like it's it's weird because like like I said, these songs are really old, and like, like well, I still love them. Like I, I had like a weird relationship. Like right before we started doing stuff for the album, I had like a feeling that the album was shitty and that it wasn't gonna do anything because like like I said, it'd been so long. But yeah, I had a lot of different influences then than I do now. Like is what I'm saying. But like obviously big ones are bands like Every Time I Die, The Chariot, Alexis on Fire and Under Oath. Like a lot of like I wanted to channel a lot of the more melodic parts of like kind of some post-hardcore bands I love. If you listen to any of the parts that have like kind of stacked vocals, it's like definitely me trying to do like early Alexis on Fire when they would do like layered vocals over each other, just saying different things like. It did That's come like, out really well too. That like those parts really stick out. So hard do a good job on those. I huh? def def some hardcore too with commit to the bit. Tell them how you wrote commit to the bit. So commit to the bit, I wrote because me and Dave used to live together. We still do, but it was a different house. And I was upstairs, and Dave was downstairs. And Dave was watching Hate Five Six videos, and he was watching like Hate Five Six like live sets. And I remember I could hear it from upstairs. And I just remember hearing like a riff or something. And I was like, you know, that type of riff is cool. Like I should write a song with like a riff like that. Like, it's just like kind of hype. And so that's literally commit to the bit. Like the first half of it was just like that intro riff, like whatever. That was literally me like ripping off some hardcore band that I'll never know. Cause me and Dave don't know what band it was. And then obviously halfway through, it's just like a real big, like, okay, this song's been pretty straightforward the whole time, but now we want to turn you on your head, so. <laughs> you definitely committed to the bit there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Cricket Slams wants to know if you'll play a show in his basement in Troy, Ohio. Uh, yeah. I don't know who Troy is, but he can talk to our manager directly at info at fall50feet.com. Um, I believe Troy's a city. Tro okay, I don't know <laughs> who Troy, Troy is, but... <laughs> I, uh, whatever city he wants us to play is fine. <laughs> oh, Troy, like the movie with Brad Pitt. Yeah, it's a good yeah, movie. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You okay. want to come I, in uh, a wooden horse that, and it'll just open it up at the middle of the night and you, you all pop out and you'll start playing a set. That's that city sick. is on God on God. That city is really <laughs> old. I think that movie was actually fake. So I don't <laughs> think that city exists anymore. If he wants us to play a current city, like, I don't know, Greece. <laughs> play Rome. When in Rome, Coward Device says that Fall Fifty Feet force filmed me through a Jackbox Jackbox party games. Through Jackbox party games. <laughs> that's, or, that's accurate. Force filmed. <laughs> Trying to see someone get their beer splashed on them in a Hate Five Six video during Commit to the Bit. <laughs> <laughs> Viral videos, very topical. Oh, I watched that like fifty times. <laughs> <laughs> me too. It was funny. So, how does your writing process work? It uh, it kind of seems like James, you write everything, or is that? Yeah, is that I, I I write like 
basically 90 to 100 percent of the music like like i i've never like i said i i just grew up around no one who played music so i've never really played <coughs> music with other people or like wrote with other people if that makes sense mm. it's always been a very personal thing when i write and so i feel like that's why i kind of like gravitated towards playing complicated and non uh traditional song structures because when i would just play by myself i'd be like okay this is really fun to play stitch that together this riff this is really fun to play it was like part after part it would just be like riffs that i like thought were really fun to play in here so that's what my writing used to be i definitely don't really write like that anymore but twister world perspective was kind of like a little bit of the between point where i was like i wanted to write not exactly catchier songs but i didn't want to just riff soup it mm-hmm. but i i wasn't trying to make like regularly structured songs so it was kind of like i wanted there to be themes throughout songs that like r- repeated and made made familiar ideas like come through your head or whatever throughout the songs um but yeah i write most of the music and then it kind of goes to like me and dave for like the lyrics it really is like a crapshoot to like how we do it sometimes he'll come with like writing to a whole song and like write all his parts he doesn't really usually write my parts but then he'll give me his lyrics and i'll like write to that or sometimes there are a couple songs i think on this album there's only one no there's two songs that i wrote all the lyrics to except like a couple and that's the gloom and anything that can go wrong they wrote like the ending of anything that can't go wrong but that was like I don't really do that much anymore, but I just had like an idea for like lyrics and a song, which usually doesn't happen. It's usually just like song first and then lyrics, but yeah. And then, uh, you know, I'm trying to get the, the process more involved, but like I said, I'm just really used to doing stuff by myself. So it's like, I can't really like, I can jam out with people, but it's not going to be like, if I'm going to sound like fall to defeat, like when I'm like just jamming with people, like, even false accusations, I think only ever had two songs that were me and our drummer jamming, like that figured figured out whatever. But yeah, so that's how it goes right now. I'd like to get to more of like uh, not not where like everyone is writing together, but like I write a song and maybe we all like edit it, or I'm writing it and they're like, you know, like oh this would sound cool here, or this or whatever, you know, like more of a together thing. But it's just really hard to do that. Like we didn't even meet up weekly until pretty much a couple months ago. Like we, we've always been really bad about like having regular meetups and whatnot. We're, we all work really hard to like make the band work. And so we're always working our jobs, you know, and doing that sort of thing when we're not playing shows. Okay. Okay. Um, uh, Dave, how do you uh, come up with your lyrics, man? Uh, man. I know it's kind of a general question, uh, but yeah. General yeah. question? <laughs> We've been demoted to sergeant question. We liked How I Met Mother a lot when we were younger. Um, Dude, that was a sick show, man. Yeah, it was. Um, well, I don't know. There's a lot of different things. Sometimes 
you know, there's just like a really sick line I'll come up with, like commit to the bit, for example. Like I came up, I wrote the the line everyone loves, the fucking mosh call line. Uh, what's the line? But uh, I won't <laughs> lie. I only plan on living long enough to see you die. Oh, yeah. Okay. I wrote, okay. I wrote that in like late 2018. <laughs> and I... Uh, I wrote that whole song around that idea. I mean, a lot of the songs on this album are like based on like, I was doing a lot of LSD at the time. So they're (laughs) primarily about really bad experiences I had. A lot of it's about anxiety. Some of it's about being jealous of other bands in the music scene because I'm a little bitch. Uh, Commit to the Bits kind of like a, it's kind of like a double meaning type thing where I'm talking about someone else, but I'm also talking about myself at the same time. So I don't know. It's kind of whatever I'm feeling at the time, which is usually existential crisis. Like I, I don't write positive songs. I'm really bad at that. I've tried it before. It's really bad. So I pretty much get well, I don't think you really want a positive out. song in like metal or whatever anyway. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, I tried because, like, I really loved Stick to Your Guns when I was in high school, and they're a super positive band, and I always liked that. But, yeah, like, I don't know. It helps me, like, deal with the negative side of, like, my thoughts and shit because I'm a very anxious person. And, yeah, I mean, it's really, it's literally, like, I'll be, like, I feel like shit. I'm going to write about it. That's pretty much how it goes. Hell yeah, man. I mean, everybody needs a release, you know what I mean? And it just comes off more authentic, like, uh, you know, bringing your own personal issues into it, you know what I mean? And all my lyrics are just really sad, train of thought lyrics. What do you mean by that? Like, I, usually my shit is really stream of consciousness. Like, okay, okay. Me and Dave's, like, if you really pay attention to me and Dave's parts and read our lyrics, like, Dave's are a lot of times more like, catchy and um like i don't know just sound i, I like to rhyme they he's mm-hmm. like more of a rhymer likes to write like you know very like small tight parts that like are have a rhyme scheme yeah david like listens to a lot of rap and like you know so he's be- very influenced in that way but my lyrics are all like very wordy very like don't rhyme a lot of times you're just like you know it's almost like i'm just writing like paragraphs you know and uh, sometimes I'll get like do some rhyme or alliteration or something, but a lot of times it's just going in it, just whatever I'm kind of thinking. And sometimes I'll edit it down from there. But a lot of your stuff isn't even like written to the song. You like fit parts. I, I usually I write to the song. Dave usually. Dave usually writes to the song. I usually write and then I have like notes and I'll just fit to songs. <laughs> um, yeah, I can't think of like and there were a couple songs i didn't write hardly anything on but like usually i i like pulling from like whatever notes i have because it's like even if it's not what the song is about it's like i'm pulling something and it might have like multiple meetings like you know i mean there were a few things that like like <laughs> funny enough okay so like parting gift and loved uh loved our old drummer kyle one five six songs but like we uh parting gift is about kyle he knows this like it was about when he left the band and so like dave wrote that and like just 
anger right after he left. And the only line in that song I wrote was the faking smile silence for miles part that I sing and and like the end. But those lyrics were just lyrics I happened to have written about Kyle while he was in the band because I was like pissed off at him. So like, it was just like, it just fit. Like I, Dave sent me these lyrics or whatever. And he was like, is there about Kyle? Like, or whatever. And yeah. like, I'm like, oh, these work perfectly. It's uh, really funny because Kyle messaged me. That's he his messaged, favorite song in the album. Yeah, he messaged both <laughs> of us and was like, what is Parting Gift about? And I was like, it's about you, buddy. And he was like, are you serious? And I was like, yeah. I was like, that's so obvious, dude. Like, I thought you were going to know, like, as soon as I showed it to you. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's why it's called Parting Gift, because it was like, after he left the band, I wrote it as a parting gift to him. Oh, okay, so, yeah. okay. Huh, well, it's yeah, cool that you guys are like sure. friends still with them, and you know, you're yeah. like hating each other. They work together. I literally. Work oh, really? With <laughs> yeah, I mean, he he's the homie. Like, he's one of our best friends. Like, now that he left the band, our relationship's so much better. Yeah, we so, just we just had touring was really bad when we were all together. Like, we just didn't mesh. That's yeah. kind of like how yeah. it is. Like high tensions and stuff. And that's literally why we don't have like a full lineup right now. Like, because nobody wants to get along with you guys. <laughs> We're literally unbearable people to be around. People do not like us. And it's very understandable. We can barely handle each other sometimes, but. <laughs> Yeah, I've known Jim so long that we're kind of used to it. And- me and Dave, okay, me and Dave are like this, like, we aren't really, like, similar people, but, like, we have, like, the same ideas a lot of times. Like, we'll literally be thinking about the same things at the same time. It's really weird. We'll, like, start singing the same song at the same time and shit. <laughs> I think me and Dave had a very, like, like tangential, like, parallel, uh, gr- like, upbringing not upbringing but like the things we got into like we aren't into all the same things but we were into so many of the same things that like we our brains kind of work the same way Hmm. have you ever wondered if y'all were like twins and y'all got separated at the hospital we're not that weird (laughs) yeah it's not that like come on man it's not like that (laughs) like you said we're super different people like our interests are completely different like he likes to go do things i like staying home and doing nothing uh but yeah, like when it comes to I music, really like having sex. Yeah, and, and I, Dave, Dave I'm, hates sex. I'm abstinent. <laughs> He's small penis. I have a big wiener. I'm at the big big wiener. He doesn't like sex because his penis gets crushed because it's so small. I have a big penis. No one worry about that. I love women love me. Men, men want to be me. Men also want. <laughs> but then okay so then me and dave are like that and then zach is like kind of like a wild card but he's totally different than us but he's just kind of down for whatever and he like is like totally involved and i don't know in invested in the band that he's like kind of like willing to ride out whatever crazy ideas we have and is there for it because he just cares yeah. about what we do me and jim are pretty much on the same page like he lets me he pretty much agrees with what I want to do and I'm totally down with whatever he wants to do. Like I seldom have, I said, I don't like this song you wrote. Like, I think that's happened one time. Like I, I still don't like him for it. Yeah. Like <laughs> we still get in an argument about that certain song, but yeah, it's like, I don't know. Like we're just on the same page. Like we'll be thinking, I'll be like, we should do this. He's like, yep. And that was always like, 
a big thing with our old drummer like because we'd always be like we should do this and he'd be the only one opposing it so yeah that's why it's better it works like this like scoot yeah i'm a catalyst for chaos and also i'd say our our (laughs) senses of humor play a big role because we're all like goofy as fuck and say the dumbest shit all the time no no come on you don't like that what are you talking about (laughs) i'm also the bird manager Say Cloud Surf Records, shut the fuck up. (laughs) Yo, shout out Cloud Surf Records. We're not on that label, but that's the homie. Uh, Motherfucker. Facebook is going away. Motherfucker came from Tennessee to our first show. That is true. Also, Circuit Circuit. Shout out that band. Shout out Circuit Circuit. Shout out Maddie from the Callous Dow Boys for also coming to our first show from Georgia. Yes. With my friend Dan. So Zach, besides having like the sickest mustache in the world, uh, what what are you bringing to the band, man? He also has a sick mullet. I that's am... that. That's it. Don't let him talk. Oh shit! I am, <laughs> I am the third strand in the braid that is fall fifty feet. I uh, that's so deep. I basically just provide the low end, and I am the dad of the group. I'm the guy that mediates when things go wrong, and I'm the guy that jumps on problems. And gives money. To it's them. like it's like when my last brain cell stops working, Zach's there to pick it up. Like, like I try to take on as much as I can because like this is my baby, and like I always like I always take on a lot, maybe more than I mean we we've leveled it out. Like FA was not leveled, and that's why that's another reason we just had to start fresh to make it more level of like who does what and like the evenness of everyone taking it. But I still like to do a lot, but it's really like Zach is always there. Like if I like can't do something or I'm like, I just don't have the capacity to fucking make this happen. Zach is always there to make sure like he can do whatever I'm not willing to do. My drive has always been in live music. Like I haven't even really come around to like production and, and studio jib jab whatever you want to say until coming into contact with these guys in 2017 like i didn't really care for hyper production of of music really i was more into raw production and uh being able to replicate what you're doing in the studio live Mm. but uh these, these guys really opened my mind to a lot of things not just in music but in life in general and uh We've created a bond that I can't get away from. Aww. That's the nicest thing you've ever said. Coward Device in the chat says, Scoot is the most zen human on the planet. I have Definitely getting those vibes. The bird one loves you, man. Like, one thing is like, okay, so that's the thing. Me and Scoot, me and, me and Dave, we will like not get along with people. We're very chaotic people in different ways. Like We're very like almost unlikable and ha- very hateable. But, like, Scoot has always been the person, like, that, like, no matter who's in the band, like, he always gets along with everyone, even if they're, like, literally insufferable people. Like, that fill-in drummer who did our album Fucked Us Over, him and Scoot were, like, like, he loved Scoot. He, like, fucking, like, they were, like, whatever. I mean, it was partly because, like, Scoot kept smoking him up with weed. But, like... (laughs) With weed. With weed. But, like... He's just a very, very likable dude. And so he's like, I'm a lot. And Dave's like a lot in a totally different way. He's not like as uh, 
Dave's not as a uh, hyper active and like outgoing as I am, but he is a dickhead. <laughs> but we just kind of come to terms with that. I mean, he's got a point. Yeah, I'm a very uh, he's a very blunt guy. Yeah, I'm a very truthful and honest person. I know there's this one band. I'm not gonna name them. I love them to death. They're good friends of ours. But one time they were playing a show, and I walked up to them and bought a shirt, and I was like. Yeah, it's cool. You guys are on tour. I just want to help out. And they're like, yeah, thanks. Like, what do you think of the set? I was like, oh, you guys were pretty trash. But like, I just wanted to support you guys. And they got so mad. But like, I just like being honest. Like, I'm not going to tell you I like your band if I don't fuck with it. Like, liking someone's music and liking them as a person is totally different. Like, I got friends who don't listen to us. Like, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, going up to a band and saying that you suck, it's like... I care. <laughs> I mean, it's all about networking, but I'm a very... I like honesty. Okay, okay. Uh, Concert Records in chat says, Shotgun that PBR, Bubby. And uh, Cricket uh, Sam Miller says, I'll shotgun a brew if you do. A peeber? A peeber? This is a Miller Highlight. It's a champagne of beers, buddy. Jake, Come on, Concert. you ever thought about back shutting back. your mouth? How about that? <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's all say our, the best quote from Anchorman. Okay. Okay, you go. Me? Yeah. Okay. Uh, wh- where'd you get? Where'd you get your suit? The toilet store. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The one. best one is from the deleted, like not the deleted scenes, but like the extended version when when he's like, he's like, don't you know I would never say that? I would never fucking say fuck. I would never fucking say fuck on live TV. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> I think mine is. Dorothy Mantooth is a saint. <laughs> Brick, where did you get a hand grenade? <laughs> I don't know. What Old is Farrell it? 75% of the time, it works every time. <laughs> Sex Panther. Wow. <laughs> oh, that's fire. It smells like pure gas. Okay, start rattling them off, buddy. Let's go. Oh, my God. We're, we're buttered up. So how All do right. you guys work out the drums? Okay. He programs them. Oh, really? Like you program every hit? Next. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. So I will say, yeah. So I mean, yeah. I when I I, I didn't play drums originally, but I just kind of got better at programming drums over time. And funny enough, Kyle was like the only drummer I really played with, like pretty much my whole life, other than a few fill-ins after Kyle left. So like the way I like kind of think of drums and program them are a lot like his playing style or like with some of my own tastes but like yeah so i always like program out the drums and the drums on the album are pretty much hit for hit what i programmed but the reason it works a step up even better from what i wrote is because the biggest thing that uh greg did was on our album like so like Jay Dino, who like did the drums on the album, he pretty much played just what I wrote, like like note for note. But Greg wanted the album to sound a little bit more organic and like I don't know, the drummer felt really comfortable playing like these songs and like whatnot. So what basically we would get the takes of just like him playing the song straight, like how they are, and then we would do a take of the song with him just throwing in fills everywhere even if they didn't work he'd just be like fill out the whole fucking like song with fills like everywhere or like whatever and then he basically cut it up and just put in fills 
like in random spots, like where they sounded really good. And even if like the initially when he did them, they were like totally batshit. So like when we got the first mix back, I was like, holy shit, these songs like sound even better. Cause like there were so many parts where there was like not really any fills or was like something really basic. And he made it sound totally organic by like stitching in these fills that had been like, you know, just thrown in there at the last minute, you know, and made it sound like the drummer was really comfortable playing these songs. That's which, sick. Like, I never thought about doing anything like that before. It's, cause yeah. I, I do like audio shit too. And like, yeah, that, that's really interesting. Well, because like, I mean, Jay's a great drummer, but like he had like a couple months to learn the songs. I don't think he'd ever actually sat down to a kit and played them when he did the album. So like he had maybe sat down and played like the songs like a couple times or something. But so he was literally like doing this really hard, like, you know, weird music and had the songs down pretty well. But like, unless you're literally counting like the whole thing, like, there's so many odd time parts where it's really hard to throw in a fill that's like going to be natural. You'd have to like think about it and write out a fill or something for a lot of those parts. But like we would just get the whole song and then just do like go crazy. It doesn't matter if you hit like into the next section. We already have everything we need. So just be like fill out this fucking part uh, and whatnot. Like, I don't know. And he just stitch it all together and it sounds natural as fuck. And like just made the album like that's honestly one of the best things he did that made the album go to next level for me well, that's sick man um well let's talk a little bit about the recording process uh it was engineered and mixed by greg thomas and chris tetty at silver bullet studios and he got it mastered by chris crummett uh at uh, interlace audio he actually did the uh last band we interviewed uh, pa- uh pac-man the movie uh, they did their last thing okay. too, but uh, movie is the shit, dude. Fuck yeah, man, they're great. They're great. But uh, yeah, tell us uh, about a little bit about like working with these guys. You just did with uh, the, the drums, but uh, a little more past that. I mean, so Greg was the first producer I ever worked with. That, like, I felt like really cared. We had worked with a few before, and like we were really young when we were working with them, and didn't exactly know what we were doing. So like. There were a few problems, but like... Wait, so y'all worked with him with FA too, or...? No, well, we were FA when we started working with him. Oh, yeah, yeah, But yeah. I, I'm saying, like, we... FA, our first few releases were, like, self-recorded. And then our oh, last, okay. like, two were, like... We did an EP with one person and an EP and two singles with another. Mm-hmm. And, like, not to, like, completely shit on those people, but, like, they don't hold a candle to what Greg does. Like, and how much Greg cares about the music. Those people were, like definitely like doing it for like a paycheck or whatnot you know like and it's like um part of it was our fault like we didn't know that like if you don't pay a certain amount or whatnot you're only gonna get so much done i guess like we'd be like they'd be like what what's your budget and i'd be like okay this much and they'd be like okay i'm gonna work with you but they'd really like they work with us with us on that budget but they put in less work right then would with a higher budget something like whatever and greg doesn't really work with that like that like he puts in the same amount of care to every single thing he does no matter what your budget is and like so when we went in and he was like you know after that that kid left who was doing the drums we had seven songs (laughs) done I, i was like i thought we were just gonna call it quits and basically make an ep and I like said I was willing to do that. And Greg was like, no, we're not doing that. 
Like we're we're not gonna do that. Dude, this that's awesome. <laughs> I know for a fact that the two people we went to before that would have been like, yeah, you're fucked. Like you know, go, <laughs> go to hell. Like like it would not have been. Greg was like, we're gonna make this happen. I'll get someone in here to do drums. Like he pretty much edited all the drums to the album twice because he edited all those kids' drums originally. Yeah, and like those kids' drums were atrocious. Like that part parts were like completely stitched together like we had to play parts slower and basically edit them to like act like they were like played faster or whatnot and like there's just a lot of shit and so he did all that and then we ended up re-recording it so we had to do the whole album again and yeah the weird thing was though okay so this is the this is the weird thing is that we didn't record like 75 i'd say even actually 80 percent of the vocals were just i i basically recorded them because what happened was after that kid screwed us over you know we had 10 days scheduled for our original recording time he took up four of those days we didn't get to vocals until like the fifth of the sixth day and at that point greg was like we don't have time to do vocals if you guys want to get the vocals done we're going to have to do them after the sessions are over. And I'm basically, because I record and whatnot, he was like, I'm basically going to set a mic up for you. And then you guys can record them yourselves after the session because mm. his studio is out in Connecticut. We were staying there. Like yeah. it's like 10 hours away. So after all the sessions were over, we would do like two or three hours of vocals a night after eight hours a day of recording. Okay. And so I, that's why I like, I mean, that and the fact that I was by Greg the whole time we recorded and like telling him what was going on. Like I didn't have any break. So I basically produced the album with him. And okay. So, I was yeah, wondering I was, why you got a little bit of credit in that spot. Okay. Yeah. Well, because the drummers didn't really know what they were doing. And I had to like, even like, like, so I didn't really explain this, but like scoot at the time he was going through a lot right before we recorded the album. And he, had learned the songs on bass but like we hadn't really we never played these songs together before the album was recorded because like i said our drummer left we had never played in a room playing these songs together you know when you <laughs> play true. with someone in a room and you're like able to be like hey dude you're playing that part wrong or that sounds weird so like we'd be i had to be with him the whole time he was recording bass for greg might hear something and be like that sounds a little bit weird what do you play there and i'd be like oh, this is what I play. And he's like, okay, his bass part doesn't work. We're going to have to change that to something else. What what would we like to do here instead? So I didn't have a day off the whole time we recorded. They watched him and the rest of our band watch like how many movies while we recorded. I didn't watch one single movie while we recorded. I have a list of every movie we watched. <laughs> Bring it up right now. Greg has a big collection of movies in his studio, and it's awesome. And they started watching uh, okay. movies with... Uh... I got you. We watched all three extended versions of the Lord of the Rings movies. Jesus Christ. It's like a, that's all... like five days, isn't it? <laughs> it's like a whole day. We watched all eight Harry Potter movies. Holy shit. We're at 11. We watched Rambo 1 through 4. We watched <laughs> Matrix 1 through 3. The original Spider-Man trilogy, Freddy vs. Jason, Observe and Report, The Dirt, 
Employee of the Month, and two John Mulaney stand-up specials. Good freaking lord, man. That's so much they wa- stuff. They watched 27 movies. I did not get to watch one movie while we was there because we- I was in the I was in the control room the whole time with Greg. Basically. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. My brain was my brain was fried after the original <laughs> 10 days, but we went back in two hmm. separate times after that. Greg, uh, Greg, Dave did record like I think two or one and a half songs with Greg. Like, yeah, I was on vacation with my girlfriend, and we literally stopped there on the way back home just so I could record like a song with him. <laughs> Alrighty, that's crazy, man. Greg sounds like an awesome guy, though. Like, shit, that, he's the best. that is really cool, man. That he's uh, more concentrated on like the quality and stuff, and not, not giving up yeah. on you guys. Like, that's awesome. Yeah, people like that would have been really easy to. I would have given up on me as a producer. Me too. <laughs> so you guys got a bunch of uh, guests on here. Um, violin on uh, Cell Damage performed by uh, Amber from uh, Cal Style Boys. Trumpet yeah. performed by Chris Teddy, uh, who is one of the uh, uh, the engineers, I guess, on on this, right? Chris yeah. Teddy is, he's like, he has like a studio upstairs in Greg's house, but it's both Silver Bullet, and he's also in The World's a Beautiful Place, and I'm No Longer Afraid to Die. That's a long band name. <laughs> yeah, they're like emo legends. But the, oh, really? You I need to check it out. Really, you listen to yeah, it? it was sick. It was, it was way different. It was like, yeah, it was kind of proggy, kind of heavy. Yeah, it was really interesting. Um, You also got additional vocals on Cell Damage performed by Rob Accardi from Dr. Acula. That's fucking <laughs> sick. <laughs> Come That's true, like bro. one of my <laughs> that most was... influential vocalists of all time. Damn, so dude. like <laughs> I love that band. We literally so like Dr. Acula, that was the band we bonded over, but the one the version we bonded over initially when we were younger was like later Dr. Acula, which he wasn't in. But then I, I have been listening to them since like seventh grade. Yeah. So Jesus I already Christ. knew that okay. stuff. But so I got into the old stuff like you know a few years ago and was like Rob really into it. And so we ended up like I, I don't know how it even came up, but I was like, oh, it came up because they were doing a reunion, and I like followed them, and I started like messaging the band and annoying them, and eventually I was like, I kind of want to just like see if he'll do a feature, and so we did ask him to do a feature, and he said he was like said he'd be down to do it but he didn't have any like recording equipment of his own and i was like bro i'll pay and this was during you. covid so well it was before mm. covid and so he'd be like i'm down but i don't have like a place to record and then we, he he was like i'll like we'll figure it out eventually and we never figured it out then covid happened and i was like there's no way this is ever gonna happen and i was like i i kept hitting him up and be like hey do you like think you could do this like what or whatever and he was like and I remember literally one day he was like, yeah, dude, I don't think I'm going to be able to do it. I'm sorry. And I was like, fuck. And then he literally messaged me like two minutes later. And was like, actually, never mind. I'm going to, I'm going to do it. Like we can do it. It was like, and, I'm going to do it tonight. <laughs> and so he goes and records the vocals. And I, I think I was busy. I was doing stuff when he sent him back and Dave put him on like the demo track and like, when that part hits in, I cry. Even even now, when that part hits in, it literally makes me feel for the first second when his like vocals hit in during like the breakdown part, I feel like I'm listening to a Dr. Acula song. And it makes my brain feel really good. 
and yeah dude that's so awesome that, that y'all got one of like your biggest uh biggest influences as a kid it, on there that's I, so fucking I especially sick. love it because a lot of people fucking don't like dr acula but like that song is the uh, cell damage is proud so, dr like, acula and we we are proud <laughs> i love like, i stopped every for all barbecue pits fire firework stands and dr acula shows <laughs> never seen them dude, that's fucking sick um you also had uh, additional vocals on Objects in a Mirror Closer Than They Appear performed by Brett Mills of uh, Grey Haven. I haven't listened yeah, to them yet, but this is like the fifth time they've come up in like one of these uh, interviews. Grey Haven is literally one of the best bands out right now. God damn, dude. You know what? I'm, like, I'm one of, he's got an amazing voice. He doesn't sing on that song. He just does like screaming in that one part. He's one of the best singers I've ever heard. He does life. sing on it. That's a thing, though. His voice is like, yeah, he has I mean, such a unique like style that even in this, we so both of the features we wrote, like Dave already had written. And so we just gave the like parts to him. We're like, do it how like you want it. And so when when Brent sent it back, like even though it was just a full on screaming part over a really dissonant part, he sings you can part. really sing and tell that it's him because he's like screaming it but he goes into like a song note at like some point like he falls into like a song part of it even though it's like not a part that you would think to do that like he's he's got a really unique like voice and like he's super good at what he does and i'm glad he was able to like bring what he does in great haven to our track like and not just like sound like dave or something like i don't want a feature that like sounds like us i want someone who like doesn't do what we do at all or else there's no point in getting someone also we didn't pay either of them they did it out of the kindness of their heart like we don't want to have people on our albums that like are like just people who want money i mean there are a few people that we'd pay to like be on our albums. i would have paid like <laughs> i would have paid either of them but they didn't ask because they're really sweet people and they were doing it because they yeah. wanted to I mean, yeah brent's like an actual friend of ours like we booked them like well he booked them a long time ago like so we've known them a long time but we don't know rob <laughs> like we're just big fans sorry we know rob that. now yeah we know rob now dr eckler the homies <laughs> i just had a couple bots in during the chat sorry i was taking care of that um, <laughs> shout out bots we love bots <laughs> Uh, so you have your artwork done by uh, Anthony Grasso. Is that how you pronounce it? Grasso, something like that. Yeah. Uh, we got it up on the screen now. I've been meaning, like, what what the hell is this? Like, just describe this for me. So it's actually. Okay, so this is actually. I had a near death experience. This is what I saw right before I almost died. It was like, you know, two very small very small spiders just taunting me mm. and so that's what i saw right before i died when i was uh you know in the bahamas so that's what that is you can take it off now you're gonna talk about it anymore it's a <laughs> it's a wolf it's a it's a wolf being it's there are two wolf. wolves inside of you one of them is your boyfriend one of them is your other boyfriend <laughs> it's like a she a goat with like a wolf in it i don't know see i'm really bad at art direction a wolf in sheep's clothing i like that that is kind of what it looks like right i literally messaged him it's, and i was like wolf i want it to be clothing. weird i was like i want it to be weird and like odd as fuck like it's twisted world perspective i want it to be like a creature that's not like otherworldly so okay what i remember about it is so 
like I said, this album was really old. We have we've had the name since we before we recorded the album. So we hit Anthony up initially because he did um, art for us before, and we were like, "Hey, we want art for our album." He sent us some stuff, and like, I'm not super picky. Dave is more of like the art direction guy, but he was like, "I'm not really feeling what Anthony's doing." So all that stuff happened with us. So we just kind of put the art on the back burner for a while, and then Dave was like found some stuff that he really liked, but all those people who he liked were very booked up or very expensive. And so we were like, okay, let's just go to Anthony again. But with this, because Dave, Dave was doing this weird thing where he was like, I know what I want and it's not that. And we were like, so what do you want? And he'd be like, I don't know. And so it'd be it's like hard <laughs> to explain. He right. just couldn't come up with it. So he found this art, which was kind of like the, the general idea was like, we wanted it to be dark and kind of like dark in nature, but not dark in like, we wanted it to still be colorful and vibrant. We wanted it to be like weird and demented and kind of like take you to a kind of, not, I don't know, some sort of a like. bad acid trip. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, because mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of Dave's lyrics on this are kind of like spot and like, they kind of come from like his like very bad uh, experiences with the drug known as LSD. Okay. Yeah. So well, that's a trippy so as fuck like album cover, man. Well, we ended up coming, coming to him with the, those things that I told you, like Dave found. And then he sketched that out and he had just a rough sketch of it. And we like knew as soon as we saw it, we were like, that's fucking it, bro. All he needed was some direction. He's an amazing artist. And I was like, I don't want our name on the cover. I want it to speak for itself. So that's why our name's not on the cover. I've always been a fan. Our name of, is on the cover if you look really hard, though. I've always been a fan of album covers. Is it really on there or no? No, no, it is. <laughs> okay, okay. Gotcha. I uploaded it to DistroKid. I would know. It's on there. <laughs> so if you didn't want the name on there, why is the album, album name on there? Because the album name is more important than our name. That was more like Anthony's idea. But I also feel like that's like also very recognizable. Like if you search the words Twisted World Perspective, we come up. So like I may when I like do things like that, I make sure that nothing else is named that. Like if something else was named that, I wouldn't have named the album that. Okay. So I want our album to be just as recognizable as our name. Okay. Even though Twisted World Perspective is a quote from Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Oh, is it? <laughs> yeah, okay. It, yeah, he says, you got a sick and twisted world perspective. And I was in the kitchen with Jim once and I was like, I've quoted that. And I was like, dude, that'd be such a sick fucking album name, especially with the content. And I was like, yeah, let's roll with that. It's a sick fucking name. It is. It's a good name. And it's literally like describes my view of the world. So Dave's having a very Joker pill moment. Yeah, I'm joke. I'm jonker pilled. We call a joker jonker. <laughs> call jonker joker. There's a picture of me sucking the Joker's dick in the Greg's studio because he has a full size replica of Jack Nicholson Joker. And <laughs> and yeah, it's like a microphone, but I pretend it's his dick, and it's me. Like, and he probably has the picture somewhere. It's good. Jesus Christ. <laughs> so, what's the best show you guys have played? I, obviously, in back in yeah. FA because you haven't been. Oh my god, this is for real. What? I thought that you were joking. Jesus Christ. <laughs> we were not jonking. <laughs> what the fuck? That's crazy. Uh, there's way worse. 
pictures we've taken. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> Am I right, fellas? <laughs> okay. The best show well, we've ever played. Yeah. Well, as this band, we've only played one show, and it was really sick. And it honestly might have been the best show we've ever played. Other than, the last False Accusation show was really good. Okay, so I'd say there's a couple contenders for best. The Enter Shikari show was really good. We played with Enter Shikari once, and that was the most people we have, we've ever played to. It was like 500. And that was so. on like my Jeez. 21st birthday. It was incredible. And so that was cool because it was like we were playing a real venue. We were opening for this tour, and like people dug us, and it was cool. And then I think. Other than that, like we the the coolest small shows we ever played were all in North Carolina. Most of them were at Greenville in Greenville, North Carolina. They just these like sweaty kids loved us. Like every time we played there, there were a bunch of it was like a hundred degrees, but there were just like a handful of people who really liked us, and they would always like just throw down and like I don't know, it was cool. Dude, that's awesome, man. Smaller shows can be the best ones, man. Yeah, no, for sure. It was just a lot of times we were playing shows that no one cared for us at. So, like, I don't know. But, so, then after that, I'd say the other best ones were uh, in Vermont. The last show we ever played on tour. That was sick. Was, uh, it was a Crafter, Us, Voices in Vain, and... Lost Bear? Lost Bear, I think, were their name. And it was just like, it was a local show only. They sold me. Pretty much like, you know, all smaller bands, but there were like a couple hundred people there. And it was like the biggest show we played since Enter Shikari. And it was a cool show. And then uh, our last show as False Accusations was cool because like all our friends were there. It was at the venue we used to own. So it was just like, very important. Very Y'all special. own a venue that, or owned a venue, I guess. That's fucking sick. Yeah, but we co-ran it with our friends. Yeah. That's sick. So, yeah, honestly, honestly, our, like, re- release show for Twister World Perspective is probably, like, top one. Just because, like, these songs, like I said, have had so much time to marinate in the soul. And I've, my my feelings about them have changed a lot. And we finally got to play them. And, like... Some people knew the words, and for our <laughs> that's first sick. Show, that was kind of weird. Like, especially considering the album came out like a less week than before. two weeks before that. Yeah, yeah. dude, so, that's sick. So that <laughs> just kind of like meant a lot. And friends came out from a long way. A few did, and like I don't know. It was the first show back. Also, like it's also you know, like a new uh, era for the band or whatever, right? Yeah. Well, so I've always thrown shows around the area, and like. A good show around here would be like 30 or 40 people. That's like a pretty good show. Like we just, it's a small town area. Like we don't have a big scene or anything. And there were like 80 or so people at our release show. And it was just, it, there was a feeling camaraderie that was around it that like hadn't been there before because like all the bands who were there knew how special it was now that live music is back. So it was just like, it was very special and we got to see a lot of people we hadn't seen in a year and a half. So I'd say that that one probably tops them all. The one fall 50 feet show we played. That's sick, man. We have, we have a bunch of worst shows. Oh, well, I was just about to say, what's the worst show? I know the worst show. I get a pee. He can tell you the worst. Show it was story. <laughs> uh, we were playing. We played with the fine constant and Drusif Stalin. Oh my god. So, and Connellsville <laughs> PA at this old, like, it was called the Cinema. 
Save us from the Archon was supposed to be on Yeah, the Save us from the Archon was supposed to be there. And uh, but they dropped. I think they broke up right around that time, right? Something like that. But this was like terrible. We opened the show. I like slipped up in I used to smoke a lot of weed and I forgot the words to one of the songs. And Kyle was pissed at me. And we like literally got into a fucking fight on stage. <laughs> and yeah, it was just terrible. Like it was a bad show. I remember vividly that okay, so we played that. That wasn't even gonna be in my contenders. We but were it was to play a second show that day. Was that a very was a very mad moment. So we we that happened and Kyle was just p- all pissed off. And I remember at the end of the set, he was all pissed off. And this venue was really weird. It was like I, I think it was like an old theater. And so the stage was like literally like about as tall as like a like me like maybe taller actually yeah. like i remember it was to like get, six feet to get our equipment on there <laughs> you couldn't just like step up onto the stage there was no stairs you had to like stand on like some sort of stool and lift your equipment onto oh, it fuck? and so i remember very vividly Kyle was really pissed off after the set and like was like yelling it us and was like whatever and i i think he was pissed off because i like hit his drums or something but i i had paid for his drums like i had bought them and so i was pissed off that he was pissed off at me for hitting the drums that i bought and so i remember chucking the floor tom or the kick drum off stage when instead of handing it to him i just threw it like eight feet onto the fucking ground like it's still broken to this day <laughs> why can't we find a drummer why can't we find a drummer? <laughs> anyway um what's your worst show my worst show with us because i feel like okay the thing is we all have bad shows like where the shows itself are bad but you have, like bad- individual have your bad your worst show in, in your head like you could have a really bad show but everyone else in your band is having a good show if mm-hmm. that makes sense. yeah i've 100%. had time where, like i was like i sounded like shit all fuck like i was like i'll get off stage and be so mad that i sounded bad and then People will come up to me and be like, you sounded amazing. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> Scoot, worst, worst show? Oh, man. There was a, where were we? It wasn't the worst show. It's a, it's a memorable show for me because we were playing to the bartender. I can't remember where we were, but we were with Dineside, and I loved the whole tour. That so tour I, was I wasn't cool. upset, but I was upset that we were just playing to the bartender. But I have no clue where we were. Was like, it Daytona? No, I think it was in, like, New Jersey, maybe. or, or uh, No, we played the Meat Locker on that tour, and that was okay. We played, I feel uh, like The one was. where I threw up. <laughs> that was on our last tour. I threw up on stage and then we took, left it there. Took my clothes off to like cover up the barf. And, and I was I mad at him my for underwear. doing that. So like the meat locker is yeah, meat pet it's a pretty gross fucking place. <laughs> <laughs> so like, every time we've ever played the meat locker in New Jersey, which is like known to be like kind of a dingy DIY like crusty venue, and like it's cool in theory, but like. Basically, every time we played there, something really shitty or dumb has happened. Like, one time we played there, and they didn't tell the promoter that we, like, like had to make a certain amount of money to get paid, so we didn't get paid anything. Then the second time we played there, 
the sound guy was mad. Like there was no sound guy at the sound thing. And, and he was running door and I was like, Hey, is there anyone to do sound? And he was like, uh, I'm the sound guy. And I was like, well, you're up here doing door. And so I ran sound all night and, and he came down during our set when the other Tory man was running the door, the sound for us and was mad at him because he touched a soundboard that he refused to set up because he was watching door. <laughs> and the last time we played there, they asked our photographer to pay money to get into the show. And he was like, no, I'm <laughs> on tour with the band. And they were like, well, could you just give us like five bucks instead of 10? Like, you need <laughs> something, right? And we're like, that's ridiculous. No. And yes, that's a show Scoop puked during, and we just left it, honestly, and clean it up. Legendary. At all. We're not, we wouldn't do that in any other venue. I left my favorite shirt behind. Um, <laughs> that fucking sucks. <laughs> but yeah. I feel like that was Daytona that you're talking about, because Daytona was when we, we had a really good day, and we the like, barcade. we walked around, but there was like no one at that show. Emily Janicki came with a couple of her, with her boyfriend, but like. No, it, it wasn't that one. It was, it. <sighs> Oh, was it? We were, I, I think we were. Was it in PA? In North, like Northeast. It may have been. It because may have been. That was the first show of the tour was PA. And the venue got switched, I think. And we had to hop on another show. Oh, that sounds. Oh, you know what? The Virginia Beach show. That's my. That's my, oh, that's my, that's my oh worst my God, show. that's such a good story. Now that I, that's what Dude, it was. Yeah, that's my okay. That's a show. great show. So we're, we're on tour with this band, Dineside. This is the third date. So first night we played PA, which was kind of a dud. Second night we played that New Jersey Meat Locker show, which was actually a decent show at that time. But that was when we got yelled at by the sound guy. But and then we played. Did we play Boontoons and Meat Locker on that tour? Because I remember. No, Boontoons no actually, no, this Dineside. was a different tour. We met Dineside at this venue called Boontoons in um, Boonton, New Jersey. And at the end of the show, I gently, gently tossed my guitar on stage uh, and <laughs> it's broke right in half. And like, I have a telly <laughs> and it's a bolt on neck. So like it came apart pretty clean, like what didn't actually break break. And so I was like, okay, we gotta get this fixed. And our next show was in Virginia beach. And so it's pretty far away. It was like six or seven hours. And so I drove overnight, did the whole drive by myself because I was like, I got to get at a music store right when they open so I can see if they can fix my guitar. Oh, my God. And so we go to this music store and they're like, yeah, like, we'll do this. We have like they didn't have like a house guy who fixed the guitars. They had like this guy who would come in and take the guitars somewhere else and fix them and then come back. And (laughs) so they were like yeah we can fix it and like whatnot and i was like okay cool and we were like hanging around the the music store and they were just like dicks like i was like i want to play some guitars and so like it was one of those places that they were like don't touch the guitar yeah jared dines as a guitar center employee that's they were like like, don't touch the guitars uh do you want to play this one and like okay so this literally what happened i was like okay like and he was like if you want a guitar like tell me i'll get it down for you and set it up for you and then we'll let you play and i was like okay what about this one and he's like okay and he sets it all up and i like play it i'm i'm playing it for like 30 seconds maybe and he's like okay well you're not gonna buy that so let me take that and i'm like 
Well, I bought plenty of guitars on tour. Anyway, in the meantime, we went around town, went to a guitar center, went to another music store that actually had a bunch of really cool employees in it. I wish I remembered the name of it. Wasn't right it now. Sam Ash? No, it was a local place. And so we went to this other local place and the people in there were way cooler than the place we originally went to. And when they finally got my guitar back to me at like four or five o'clock, a few hours before the show started, it was like not set up at all because they were like, yeah, you fucked it up too bad. We can't like set it up without uh, breaking the neck or something, which I knew wasn't true. Yeah. What? Like, uh, it was very weird, and so they like put it back together. They like did a little bit of glue and like got the bolts back in, but they didn't like set it up at all. So the strings were like really far away. So I took it to this other music store that we'd been hanging out at all day, where the people were cool and like the dude set it up for free for me because I was like, yeah, they fucked me over, and he was like super cool. It was super chill. So we're like, yes, I got my guitar back in the nick of time. We're gonna play this show. We're gonna destroy. And then the venue dropped for the show and it got canceled. And then the, the promoter for the show was like, okay, well, one of my other bands is going to play this bar and you can come play this bar with us or whatever. And we're like, okay. So we go and play this show and the, like, no one's there. Like it was just a terrible day. Like there's like his band plays the PA is like non-existent. There's like pretty much no PA. We were dead tired. We were dead tired. There was no one there. We got played like 40 bucks out of the promoter's pocket, but like, Oh, Hey, at least you get 40 bucks. There you go. Like (laughs) not great, but normally I'd be like, okay, like promoter, like paid us some money out of his own pocket. I'm really grateful. But the dude was like, totally had plenty of time to set a show up at a decent place. And I had actually booked his band. Like we were supposed to do a show swap and the dude's band didn't show up for the show that I booked for them. And then was like, Oh yeah, we dropped that. And I was like, well, you never told me you dropped. Like I went out of my way to throw this show for you and you guys just didn't show up. And he was like, I'll make it up to you. I'll throw you this show. And then that happened. So after that whole day, we were really pissed off. Luckily we ended up getting a very nice hotel because Scoot, like his like wife's mom or something, stepmom or something, her had mom. like a Hilton hookup. It's her. She's an nice. HR. For Hilton. And her so was. we used her thing, and the, it was like in the winter, so it wasn't like the beach was nice. But we we're in Virginia Beach, and they upgraded us to like a suite at the top of the on the beach. On the beach. I mean, it, I mean, it was like the winter, so it was like whatever. But you could still see two the balconies. There was there was two different balconies. There was like multiple it was like a There's very like nice and, and we were damn. like we deserve this yeah. after this <laughs> i remember there was like one guy there and he was like you guys are pretty sick i was like yeah for sure and he was like you guys want me to buy you want me to buy you a drink he was talking to us and i was like well he doesn't drink and i'm not really trying to drink and he was i was like if you can get us weed that'd be sick and he was like yeah for sure and he left didn't see him for like 2 hours and I was like, that guy's not coming back. <laughs> he shows up when we're loading out and gives us like two grams of weed. He's like, hey. I got you weed, bro. And we were like, fuck yeah, dude. dude. All right. I got a, one more bad show story. The one that comes to my mind is we played Savannah, Georgia. Both times we played Savannah, Georgia. Hey. Georgia has been questionable. But the first time was especially bad. So we're on tour. I had set up the show with this dude. 
and it was at this like it was literally like an art supply store but like the back of it like had like a small stage where like looks like they could put on like small plays or something and we show up and i'm like oh this is cool i love weird diy spaces like that's sick and but what happened is like there was pretty much no pa and like the, the dude was like there was supposed to be a pa here but there isn't so he brings like a tiny pa and one microphone that like was duct taped together and barely worked at this point me and dave were like the main vocalist but scoot did some vocals but if we had to rock with just two mics we could do it they had one mic and it barely worked and so <laughs> we played with I think like Dave was the only one who had vocals. If I did, it didn't really work. And Dave's mic didn't even really work either. So like we were pretty much playing an instrumental set. And I literally, there were, I remember I threw the mic down, just started jumping around halfway and, through the set. And there were like, <laughs> you know, I don't think, I think like maybe there were a couple girlfriends there of like a couple like members of the other band. There were like maybe four or five people there total like and so and i remember the room was like this weird kind of room and there were a couple chairs set up on the side and like literally there was a promoter i think standing and then all these other people were just sitting on the side like not really caring we were just like there and i was like that was an awful show that was literally like there's just no point like i i don't mind a small show like like did they come to see you the ones that were sitting down or were they doing something else they were just there i think they were just there like because they had to be (laughs) (laughs) that's when it's like i feel like i could stop mid-song and just be like this there's no point like like i i'll play my heart out for one person who actually wants to hear us but like i could actually feel that no one gave a fuck of a shit. Like, so it was just like, felt like the most pointless thing ever. Then there was a I sketchy like we dude. cut our set short. Yeah, we did. There was a sketchy dude hovering around our gear as we were loading out. And I had to like, <laughs> I had to like watch him. And like, I was like, oh my God, dude, I cannot have this guy run down the sidewalk with our fucking Reminds everything we, we had. We were all poor at the time. That guy that wasn't even at the show in Detroit yeah. started helping us load out. I was like, this is sketchy. Yeah, it was pretty sketchy. <laughs> that is weird. Man. We got some sketchy stuff happened to us, but we've never had like, we never gotten our gear stolen or anything. Oh, that's good. One time, one time Scoot drank piss on tour. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, what? Oh my God. Yeah. We were driving down the fucking road and Scoot and our photographer at the time we're just sleeping in the back. I was in the back too. Yeah, I was. Like, it was nighttime. By I, the way, was Bobby with us? I think Bobby mm. was driving, and I was up front with him. And Kyle was like chilling in the middle row, and we're just driving along, listening to fucking whatever. And then we just hear Scoot go, "I drank piss," <laughs> and he starts. He opens the back he door the while back we're door. on the highway and starts puking. <laughs> I had just I had water bottles everywhere. Yeah, so I just picked up the one that I thought I was drinking, it was and it was a piss we bottle. in the bottle, uh, and so he drank. He, he was like, "I drank piss!" And was out, out the back door, puking, spitting up, and we were like, "This is hilarious!" And honestly, it was really funny. But not having a good time at that time. <laughs> I mean. Crazy. 
It was salty. It wasn't that bad. Oh my god. It was, it was salty? Is that what this tastes like? Their yeah. grills would have done it with no fucking caveats. It was just the fucking <laughs> drinking my, my buddy's piss. Yeah. <laughs> Might have been multiple buddies for all we know. We <laughs> share bottles. Fair girls just be like, mm, that's some good piss. <laughs> <laughs> uh so you already talked about like, the art place. That's probably the weirdest one, but are there any other really weird like areas y'all have played? We play. It's not really a weird. Oh, I got a good one. I was gonna say we played this North Carol. You remember the CBD story? We played oh. this North Carolina show in like a abandoned, like a dilapidated. Aban- yeah, it was house. like like a barn where the floor was like caving in. It was just like a small, like they had a main house. It was in, like the middle had, of nowhere. In, the, in their yard, they had like another, like very like small, like. I don't know, like a like a small like single room home, but like they had been. It's where like the band practiced, and like it was the, actually the, a pretty decent show. The floor caved in on the one side, so they they took the floor out, and so it was just dirt. And then the floor on the other side, so it was kind of like a stage. It was a cool place, but it was really weird. And then they had a weird thing happen. Yeah, there's. I'm not gonna get into it, but. It's a fucking hilarious story. Yeah, it is a pretty funny story. It's one but, of my favorite tour stories. So it's a long one. That was that was weird. The uh, we played a North Carolina show in a bike shop, like a like bicycle that shop. Was there really? were hanging up on the side. At one point, someone like was moshing, and they like so one of the bikes fell off like the wall. The because, opening artist was like a dubstep yeah. guy. Oh, that was terrible. That was. <laughs> We covered like floater at that show and it was sick. Yeah, we used to cover floater by every time I die. But the one that comes to my mind of the the weirdest place we played, and it wasn't even like too weird because okay, we played a few shows at like uh like um what what am I looking for? Uh storage space type places. Okay, okay. like so like people will like rent a storage space and then like have a show out of that but like what i've learned is there's a bunch of different types of storage spaces like some of them might just have a couple outlets some of them are very like the like it'll open like your garage door and there'll be like a vast inside more than you like think for a normal storage space and but this one really (laughs) resonates with me it was actually where we met anthony grasso it was uh those like, people lived in that storage space and it was they lived in the storage space and it was really elaborate and cool looking it was dope but so on our way there like we could not fucking find it um we couldn't find the, the venue and whatnot and <laughs> so we were, it was, we were in uh fort lauderdale area florida and we'd never been there before dad never been to this venue and it just had this address that wasn't really you know you plug in an address to google maps sometimes and it just like doesn't really work like you're like oh i'm at the place and then we hit up the promoter and they're like yeah you're not here i'm like okay so i'm driving around we have a van and a trailer and i remember (laughs) i turn a corner and like you know i i end up I turn a corner, I'm in this community and there is like some sort of like wedding, post-wedding like ceremony going on. Like, I thought it was a quinceanera. It was like a, maybe a quinceanera or something. There's literally so many people and there's like a bunch of like, you know, Spanish speaking people like of, of some descent, like just like like kind of having a party or doing something, but there's so many cars in the road and it's literally like, I'm not getting through here. Like, this is not going to happen. I'm stuck with my van and trailer. And I'm like, 
And I was like, hey, what's going on? Like, I roll out my window and they're like, oh, you, you like, th- this is happening. Like, you're just going to have to, like, wait. And I'm like, I literally can't wait. We have to get to this show. And they're like, well, you can't back up. And I was like, no, I'm backing. And so I literally backed the trailer into someone's yard or, like, driveway or something. And was like, like, there's just so much chaos around us. Like, I'm literally driving to this, like, fucking quinceanera. And, like, everyone's like going crazy and they're like no you can't move and i'm like i'm about to move like this is happening and so i just like three it was probably not three point it was probably like 12 point turn out out of this fucking place and just like get right out of it and it was like literally it, uh, it was just insane and then we finally get there and it's just a storage space that people were living in and we played in it and then afterward i couldn't find my wallet and we were like I thought I lost my wallet and we're like, Kyle, our drummer at the time was like, dude, like, I think that guy over there stole your wallet. Like he was like being sketchy. And when I was like, do you really think that? And like, we're literally looking for it. And Kyle's like, we're about to like accuse this guy of stealing my wallet. When Kyle finds out, he put it in his pocket. (laughs) And so he like, (laughs) he's like, been in my wallet the whole time and, i mean it's been in my pocket the whole time and he was like you have to act like you found this all casually and i'm like <laughs> i fucking hate you like the first thing i asked him was did you accidentally pick it up and he's like no dude i wouldn't i didn't do that i'm not an idiot yeah. <laughs> so yeah that was a very long day and i'm pretty wrong. sure i'm pretty sure that was the same day he drank piss i'm pretty <laughs> sure that was the same day because we were driving away from we were going back up to Orlando, not Orlando, Jacksonville, because Dave's dad lives there. <laughs> Jesus Christ, y'all have had some time, <laughs> like for real. Holy shit. <laughs> that was the two week tour that he was on with us that we crashed on. You don't remember? Right? Was he really? Dude, he's Wait, trying to get the thought no, of no, drinking no, piss out of his head. Come on. No, it wasn't that bad. <laughs> oh, we went to Florida twice. Yeah, we went to Florida twice. Fort that Lauderdale was only like a week. Time. Yeah, that was July. No, wait. Termite has still been with us. <laughs> Bobby was with us on that tour. I thought Turd was only with us on. Okay, Turd anyway. wasn't with us on that tour. <laughs> that, our, our old photographer, we called him Turd. Turd wasn't with us. Turd. On that tour. <laughs> That's so fucked up. <laughs> Uh, so you guys have shirts and hats available over at fall50feet.com, some vinyl left over at heregoesnothingrex.com, uh, CDs available over at darkshowrecords.bandcamp.com, and tapes over at don'tstressflowerpest.bandcamp.com. A lot of different websites to go to, but uh, there you go. Oh, we got we got a sticker for Dark Trail. That's a fucking sick sticker. I got that right here somewhere, too. I, I could do even better, man. We got... Oh, I guess this is the old one, but uh, the old one with the... I have like 40 of those, too. Damn, you're sticker rich, man. <laughs> this is a sick hat. What is that design supposed to be? Which the one? one? The one you're holding up. It's a guy being tortured in hell. <laughs> okay. Or Hume, soul craze. <laughs> oh, that was really tight. Oh, so tight. That's what she said. <laughs> Mayo, dude. <sighs> You got any last-minute quickies for us? Oh, uh, well, I was just going to move to the outro, but uh, we could do uh, real quick what your album of the year is so far. Album of the year? Let me check. Dave Dave keeps a list. Yeah, I have a list of every album I've listened to this year. 
Damn. I'm a nerd. It's a lot. I'm telling you. They've listened to music. Uh, Cloudsurf says save uh, save one for me for the Donato's show. I don't know which one uh, specifically they're talking about, but there you go. I really like. Oh, the the shortcuts to hell shirt. Okay, there. We go. I really like the Pac Man the movie album. Uh, Paris, Texas, Death Goals. Dude, K and O is fucking sick. Fires, fuck. Bird Law from Illinois. Their That's album's awesome. incredible. Uh, Fox Lake is like one of my favorite bands right now. They're like new metal. They're fucking sick. Uh, yeah, those are probably my most Fall serious. Their album's really good. I like that one. Yeah, it was okay. <laughs> Schmunk. You book him for hit the X. Interview. Hit the X. Hit the X. <laughs> hit the X. <laughs> oh, pulses from. Virginia, they released an EP called Speak Less. Incredible. Uh, fucking. Speak Less. Yeah. From Joy's EP was really sick. Uh, fucking. I didn't realize they actually had an EP. I thought it was just singles. Oh. I need, to, I need to check that out. The Agent Molder Possession DB Cooper fucking split was dope as hell. Hell yeah. Uh, the Macau PS You're Dead split. Yeah. Oh, and Boar and Utmost, they're New York hardcore bands. Their split's incredible. So, oh, and Koyo drive out, drives out east. Yeah, I got a lot. Uh, <laughs> that's just from what I can see okay. real quick. Me, I honestly... The Wrist Meat Razor album is really good, too. I don't think I've listened to any new music. I actually get that a lot. There's, there's a lot of musicians that, that don't nah, listen to new shit. I have listened to a bunch, but honestly, the only thing that's really been on repeat, like the Kanashi album is really good. That, that's sick. I feel like there was another album around there that got released like by someone who was kind of friends with us that I really like. You like the but Death Goals album? Death Goals album was really good. Honestly, this this band, we, we used to play with this band in Maryland and they're like kind of older dads and the that band broke up but the, one of the dudes started a new band and it's like kind of like a hum worship, like hum Deftones kind of worship mm. and they're called, they're called Nub. Like, Nub. No, like K N U B B Nub, and the song Ribs, that's been on repeat because the hook of that fucking hits, and like that's honestly, it's honestly sick. Like Nub, check out Nub. I've been like, our next album is gonna be way different because all I've been listening to is like late nineties, early thousands emo and rock. So yeah, alrighty. What do you got, Scoot? You got anything? Me? You listen to music? <laughs> no. I listen to uh, Young Jesus. Oh, yeah. Uh, and Ugly God. <laughs> and Ugly God? He doesn't drop shit in so long. This I have no idea who those, who those people are. This, this a rapper, out, Ugly God. This came okay. out last year, but Carson Pace from the Callous Dowboys sent this album to me. It's like some Icelandic or finish or something i don't fucking know <laughs> pop like kind of album okay rn it's fuck it fucks so hard it's really <laughs> good it's really good okay but that i listen to a lot of podcasts and honestly i've been very wait didn't the for your health co- album come out this oh year? it did yeah, for your health, yeah that's one, fire for your health is number one for your health is incredible. they're fucking sick and, uh, hazing over for, but for your health, oh my god, yeah. How did I forget these? I listen to so much shit, it's hard to keep track of it all. Dave's like, oh my god, I listen to so much music. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, but also, I've been listening to 
a lot of Remembering Never and Poison the Well and Grey Haven. Seriously, check out Grey Haven. They're incredible. Like uh, I said, you're like the fifth guest I've had that's told me to check them out. So I, I need to. I definitely should. Good, good dudes, even better musicians. And I think they have a new album coming soon, and it's gonna. I'm sure it's gonna rip. But well, yeah. Well, uh, that's all I had to talk about. Unless y'all wanted to bring something else up, we just moved to the outro. Uh, listen to Twisted listen World. Listen to Twisted World perspective. Let me. And then I, never listen to it again. Can I shout out a bunch of homies real quick? Go for it. Okay, shout out the Callous Dow Boys. Shout out One Five Six Silence. Shout out Black Matter Device. Blind Equation. Buried but still breathing. Barrier Idols. Circuit Circuit. Death Goals. Dreg. Fox Lake. From Joy. For Your Health. Grey Haven. Hazing Over. Kanashi. Carrots Gold. Lower Automation. Murmur. P.S. You're Dead, Pulses, Pupil Slicer, The Queen Guillotine, Seder, Thought Crime, Wanderer, Your Spirit Dies, and fucking Zombie Shark, as well as Dark Trail Records, Christian's the Homie. Hell yeah. Now, uh, Math Core Index, Here Goes Nothing, Don't Stress Flower Press, uh, Dr. Acula, and shout out uh, Jesus Christ. Amen. Hell yeah. Amen. On God, on God. Shout out you, because you're awesome. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> shout out to shout you out too, everyone man. in the chat, even though we didn't answer like any other questions or anything. Oh, the chat was just memeing most of the time. So okay, <laughs> on, God, on God, on God. So yeah, <laughs> Coward yeah. Device said this was a really good episode. I agree. I think this is one of the better ones. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so likable and hilarious. <laughs> first good episode. Ah! <laughs> the first good episode. Yes. <laughs> So, uh, if you're looking for a fresh take on Mathcore with no further than Twisted World Perspective, the debut album from Fall 50 Feet was dropped in July through three labels, Dark Show Records for the CDs, Here Goes Nothing Records for the vinyl, Don't Stress Flower Press for the tapes. Uh, you guys are on Facebook, uh, Instagram, Bandcamp, YouTube, Twitter, all streaming services. Are there any other, uh, oh, I guess you have a website, fall50feet.com. Are there fall any other? And all of our socials is fall50feet. Fall 50 feet. No fall 50 feet band. No fall 50 feet 304. No, it's fucking fall 50 feet because we rule Not and we rock. Hell yeah. Claim them before High the stone. Stone's in there. Hi, Stone. He just, no, he might watch this later. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, shout out our photographer, Stone. That's the homie. So uh, uh, as for me, drop my channel, follow so you always know when I go live. You can also sub to get access to the interviews before they hit YouTube and streaming services as well as some exclusive emotes. Uh, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. Uh, Twi YouTube folks, if you enjoyed the video, please drop a like, click the notification bell. Don't forget to subscribe. It's a great way to support me for free. Check out my music, The Sound That Ends Creation, at thesoundthatendscreation.bandcamp.com. Dropped a new single, uh, Get Your Shirt Off, It's Pervert Time, features Cameron McBride, a meth witch. Uh, dropped it last week. Go check it out. Watch the video. My next guest is Fawn Limbs, who's dropping their new album, Darwin Falls, this Friday. Yeah. Fucking sick as shit. Uh, join us I got, like, all their records on vinyl. Dude, hell yeah, man. Uh, join us this Sunday, the 15th at 12 p.m. Central for the live cast. Thanks for being here, guys. Hope you had a good time. I love you. I love you, you too, man. <laughs> Great meeting you. And thank you guys for watching and listening.